Welcome to Standout, where entrepreneurs share what they've done to become media darlings. I'm your host, Cheryl Tan of CherylTanMedia.com. On this show, we'll be talking about the power of publicity and how you can use it to grow your own business. Want to know what business owners do to get the attention of journalists? Why it's an important skill to have? and how that attention can mean more customers. If you've ever wondered how to make publicity work for you, this is the show for you. This is episode number 29. If you're a new listener to Standout, great to have you here. If you followed the podcast for a while, you'll notice a bit of a shift in focus as we discuss publicity in depth. We've always talked with entrepreneurs, but now we'll focus on their media success. This topic falls more in line with what I do in business. I'm a media strategist, and I show entrepreneurs how to connect successfully with the media. You can download my free press release template at CherylTanMedia.com forward slash podcast. PJ Jonas is a mother of eight children. She homeschools them. She's an entrepreneur, and she studied engineering in school. In fact, that's where I met her, while we were both at the University of Virginia. I, by the way, was an English major. Today, she, her husband Jim, and her eight children are working hard to grow the family business, Goat Milk Stuff. And PJ tells me the media has been instrumental in the growth of the company. Maybe you've seen the family story on the Today Show or Fox News. Maybe you've seen her products featured in Oprah Magazine. Listen to how she got the attention of the media and what she's done to leverage it to grow goat milk stuff. I apologize for a bit of an echo when I talk, but no problems when PJ speaks. PJ has a lot to share, and I didn't want to delay releasing this episode. So enjoy. PJ Jonas, welcome to Stand Out. It is so nice to reconnect and have you on the show today. I'm so glad to be here, Cheryl. This is great. PJ, you and I went to college like a million years ago at the University of Virginia. And I've been hearing about your story, and I'm just thrilled to be able to share it with my audience. Thank you, Cheryl. It's been nothing that I ever would have predicted back in our UVA days. That's for sure. Never saw this coming. Uh, You're an engineer. (laughs) I have to say that first. I remember you being an engineer. I was an English major, and we have this crazy uh, career, crazy careers that kind of have converged now. So I want to start with talking about goat milk stuff and how that came about you and the husband that you have now. (laughs) that you met at UVA. So talk about the beginning of the business first. Well, so I have eight children and um, I homeschool them and I wanted a couple of things for them. I wanted them to have a very practical education. I wanted them to really understand what work is and how hard work is going to benefit them. And I wanted healthy food for them. So I really wanted raw milk and in Indiana and around most of the country, it's very hard to get. So I decided I was going to get my own goats. And that way it kind of served two purposes. I would have the healthy raw goat milk and my kids are going to learn how to take care of farm animals and have that responsibility. So I had them for a few years. We were just milking them for the family use. And one day I had the children in the bathtub. I was just letting them splash around and I picked up the baby wash I had always used. 
And I couldn't believe that it was just filled with all these chemicals and all of these things I didn't want to use on their skin. And I decided right then and there, I was going to make my own soap. So as you mentioned, I had an engineering background, did not prepare me for making soap, but it did give me kind of that inquisitive mind and the ability to go out and find the answers. So I just did all my research, made my first batch of soap, and most of the recipes I was finding had water in them. And I decided, well, you know, goat milk's really good for your um, body. And, you know, you hear all the stories about Cleopatra taking the milk bath and things like that. So I decided I was going to put the goat milk in. And when I did that, um, I finished the soap, put it in the shower, and my husband's fingers stopped cracking and splitting. And so that was kind of my aha moment that I really had a good product. So it took another year and a half before I actually started the business, but I named it Goat Milk Stuff because that was what I wanted to do was just make stuff with goat milk and share it with people. Because in our country, goats really aren't appreciated. You know, we're a cow country. Everybody does cow milk. You hear hear about goats and most people think it's gross. And so I just really wanted to share with people how good those products can be. Oh, I love that. Absolutely love that. How you used, I mean, you were able to use your family, your husband, kind of as your test subjects for this and probably your friends and everyone in the vicinity, everyone in your zip code got some goat milk soap. Using your engineering background, I mean, huge problem solvers. So you figured it out. Maybe you looked on the internet. But when did you realize that outside of your family, this was something that you could make from your location in Indiana? or wherever you were at the time. Yeah, we were in Indiana. We'd moved there. And I didn't really know. Um, we had a budget crisis in the family. We had a large family, as I mentioned, and a single income. I was stay-at-home mom, homeschooling the children. And so we had a budget crisis. And I had bought enough ingredients to last um, our family for about a year's worth of soap. And I thought, oh, I've got all this extra soap. I'll just, you know, I'll make soap and I'll try and sell it, see if I can kind of, you know, help the the budget a little bit. And we ended up going to um, an Apple festival and it was the fall. We went to an Apple festival and we gave out, you know, we sold some soap. It was, it was good. But what we did was we gave out free samples to everybody with our contact information and business card. And over the next three to four weeks, I got call after call after call from people who loved the soap and wanted it. And so what ended up happening was a lot of people have eczema and I didn't realize that that was such a big problem. I'd never dealt with it before and the soap helped their eczema. So it was just really word of mouth. And when I started getting all those calls, that was like, okay, this is really something here and I can really work with this. That's fascinating. Were you, would you say you had an entrepreneurial mind or you just kind of went with it because you saw the opportunity and you had the budget crisis. So you needed to find a solution. Yeah, no, I definitely have an entrepreneurial spirit. I had actually uh, been praying for a family business for a couple of years, something that we could do. Never really thought so, but I don't know why, but I'd never really put that together. And so when that opportunity arose, I was running with it. I just got the children involved. I mean, they'd been involved, but, you know, I put everything that we had. It was, you know, full steam ahead. We were going to do this. We were going to just succeed (laughs) or go down in flames. And um, we succeeded. You know, it got to the point where... We ended up having a family meeting and um, got all the children there. We've always had the children involved in all the decisions for the business and really um, had to decide whether we were going to scale back because the children and I just couldn't keep up with it anymore or whether we were going to bring Jim on, my husband, on full time. And that was probably the scariest decision we had because the business really wasn't making enough money to support the family. I mean, goat milk stuff had the potential, but you know, the cash flow, especially when you're starting is so difficult. 
that to cover his his salary, it wasn't doing. So it really was a big leap of faith to bring him on full time. What year was that when you made that decision? Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they have to think about that, whether they stay a certain level and make it a side business that makes a little bit of extra cash or really go all in and say, this is going to cover expenses for both, you know, both mom and dad and insurance and food and the mortgage. So uh, take us to that year and how you made that decision. Yeah. So I started, um, the selling the first bar of soap in 2008. It was the summer of 2008 when I started letting friends and family know that it was now for sale and they weren't just going to get it for free. (laughs) And, um, then we had, like I said, the the first craft show we did was the fall. It was like October of that year of 2008. And we had this meeting by 2009, summer of 2009, because Jim was on full-time by the fall of 2009. So it was fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, at the time, was completely ignorant. You know, I had no idea how much cash was needed to grow the business. You know, I, I took the numbers. I mean, I was used to dealing with the family budget. And I would take the numbers and you would say, okay, well, if this is what we're making now selling this many bars, you double it and it's going to double. And it's, that's not true. You know, the, it costs a whole lot more as you start adding all of those. I tell people as you become a real business, you know, <laughs> all of those expenses go up that you didn't even realize that you had to pay product liability insurance and, um, you know, all of those things. And you have to get these, um, variance and, and just all the stuff that you have to do and getting your lawyer on board. And that costs a whole lot of money. And, you know, when you get to the accountant stage where you can't just do it, your taxes on your own, all of that contributes. So you kind of have to, you know, I tell people, um, a rule of thumb that we used at the beginning and it, we found it to be pretty true was that for every dollar of pre-tax income we needed, we had to sell $5 worth of product. So that was something that I had gotten that advice from another business um, owner and really found it true and was really helpful to to just kind of do some planning to just to take into account the things that I didn't know I didn't know at the time. That's a good point that you bring up that you may have felt isolated. I don't know if you did, but how, you know how much help were you able to get? when maybe the people around you weren't doing exactly what you were doing? How how did you reach out or how did you get the guidance you needed? We are a completely unique business. Yeah. You know, I mean, goat milk stuff, we have a farm, we have manufacturing, we have internet sales, we have agritourism. And when I reach out to people for help, nobody's ever seen anything like us. (laughs) It's starting to get a little more popular now. So there are a couple other people, and I shouldn't say a couple. I mean, there are a lot of people doing it, but on a bigger scale, the way we're doing it. And, um, it was very difficult we, after about probably the end of 2009, I got with our local, um, here it's called the ISBDC. It's the Indiana Southern Business Development Center. And I went down there with all my numbers and I met with um, my advisor who came to me and he sat down and he looked through all of it and he looked at me and he said, you need to raise your prices. And I was like, what? I can't raise my prices. If I raise my prices, nobody's going to buy my product. This is what everybody else is selling for. And he looked at me and he said, if you want to stay in business, you need to raise your your prices. And I can remember being terrified because we raised them. They were initially selling them for $5 a bar and we raised them up to $6. And I was like, oh, this is going to be the end. We're going to be in so much trouble. And nobody said a word. I think I had one person even like acknowledge it. And I was like, oh my gosh, he knows what he's talking about, <laughs> you know? And so um, that was a big step for me because I had to realize that I am not my customer. You know, I'm the kind of person who did what I did. I went out and I bought my own goats. I went out and I made my own soap. 
But there are a lot of people out there who don't have the time, don't have the desire, don't have the inclination to do that. And to understand that my product is worth what I charge for it Mm -hmm. um, and that my services are worth what I charge for them. And that was kind of a, a big adjustment for me mentally because, you know, raising eight children on one income, I'd always gone for the cheapest things I could find and to say, okay, no, quality is worth it. Right, right, right. Oh, what an important lesson and one that you're sharing with us. So thank you for that. I want to now talk about the internet. So you started with local fairs and family and everyone around you. Did you always start online or did that just happen and had it? And that's another learning curve. So not only were you learning how to make soap and how to homeschool, well, you already had the homeschooling thing, but how to bring in the family into your business, you had to figure out the whole internet thing or did you do it at the same time? Okay. So I always knew I wanted to be internet-based with having the children. And especially because they were so young at the time, I knew if someone was sick or I was up all night, you know, I didn't want my business to stop because I had a family and the internet was the perfect vehicle for that. Nobody knew if I was in my pajamas and, you know, hadn't slept a wink, I could just still fill my orders and ship them out. So when I started in 2008, the first thing I did was get, um, name the business Goat Milk Stuff and get the the domain goatmilkstuff.com. That was the first thing I did before we did anything, before I even started selling. And then I had to teach myself how to create a website because back in 2008, I mean, they may have been out there, but I didn't know about them. You know, it's so easy right now because it's just, you know, what you see is what you get and you can just put them up, but those didn't exist back then. So I actually taught myself HTML, learned how to code and put up a website. And I was so proud of that website. It was, (laughs) it was my baby. And I would watch, you know, I would type in Google goat milk soap. And when we started, I was on page 47, you know, and then I would watch and I would work my way up. And when we hit the number one spot for goat milk soap, there was just cheering everywhere. (laughs) So that was something that I always knew that I wanted. The reason we went to the festivals was because you can't just put a website out there and expect people to come to it. You have to find a way to let people know your website is there. And so the way I wanted to make goat milk stuff known was to get the soap into people's hands and then push them back to the website. Uh, We ended up doing that first year, like maybe 10 shows. And then the next year, 30. And the year after that, we did 50 shows. And it was crazy. I mean, we would drop, we would be, you know, in the holiday seasons, we would be at four different ones. We'd drop a couple kids here, a couple kids there. (laughs) Jim would go one place, I would go to the other. Then we'd pick them all up. And, um, but it worked. And then the next year after that, I think we we did like five. So that was my strategy, how to get people to my website. You know, there's other ways. You can do it with Google AdWords. You can do it with magazines. You can do it different ways. But that was just a nice, steady way. Um, And it provided a lot of customer um, feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, I could watch people. I could watch them come up to my booth because I would have all my goat milk soaps laid out, labeled, and my watch would pick one up and smell it, put it down, pick one up and smell it, put it down, pick one up and say, oh, I really like this one, but then buy another one over here. Right. So right. that really helped having that instant feedback, what they liked about it, which one their eye went to, and that kind of thing made a really big difference. People might recognize you. Uh, well, you've got a podcast. I know you you had one for many years, but people might recognize you from national <laughs> programs. You've been on, um, gosh, let me think, NBC. Mm-hmm. Actually, you probably, actually, you probably list where you've been because you've been on so yeah. many. How, how did you have those opportunities? Did they come to you and how have they helped goat milk stuff? They were really instrumental to us. The first one um, happened, we were at a craft show. It was uh, down in Louisville High School and it was put on by the baseball team. And 
I, um, the baseball moms were going around giving out donuts to all the vendors and my kids, you know, just like went crazy over the donuts. So they were talking to one of the, the baseball moms and telling the whole story. And my kids are amazing. My kids, you know, they've grown up in this business. Yeah. They are very articulate. They know everything. And so they, they tend to impress people. And the, the woman, I didn't recognize her because I don't watch television, ended up coming back to me and she said, my name is Rachel Platt. I'm the local anchor woman for the, um, I think it's the NBC station. I've got to do this story. And so that was the first, um, that was the start to doing the television. A lot of the others have been through um, different ways we've sent soap out, different contacts. You know, a lot of it is um, reaching out, reaching out, reaching out. And, and sometimes things just work. Um, we have work publicists. Um, we put some money into that. And, you know, a lot of it is just being in the right place at the right time and, and having a good story. I tell people, you know, if you're going to invest in a publicist, if you're going to invest your time into trying to get publicity for, for yourself and your business, you have to have a good story because that's ultimately, as you yourself well know, mm -hmm. what they want for their viewers. If you're boring and, you know, and just your product isn't very interesting and you really don't have a story, publicity may not be a very good fit for you and you may be better off doing, you know, more traditional type advertising. Mm -hmm. But if you've got a real story that resonates with people and you can tell if your story resonates with people just by talking to people, because if you talk to strangers, you know, I tell, I tell the story that we would go shopping, food shopping, and we'd be in line at, you know, Sam's club and I'd have a child in front of me, then me with my shopping cart and a child behind me. And they'd be talking to the people on either side of us in line, telling them about the soap and handing out the soap to, to the people <laughs> in the line. And people were just amazed by the story. So, so just talk to people and figure out whether what it is that resonates with people, because that's how you know whether your business is, is really good for publicity. I will tell you though, I think it will be hard to beat your story <laughs> when you're talking about a homeschooling mom uh, in Indiana with eight children who work in the family business making goats, goat milk soap. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to beat that, but, but that's a, that's a great point. And, and so I, I talk with a lot of clients too, who want to know, uh, when is it time to invest? At what point in your business do you say, all right, I'm going to invest in more publicity versus what I can get myself? Can you talk us through that? Because you already had your own organic stuff happening. Yeah. When do you invest to get other people working on your behalf? I think a lot of that has to do with your personality um, and what risk you are comfortable with. We went after publicity and advertising and growing and marketing hard right from the beginning. We made nothing for years. I mean, we had so little um, coming in that we kept, you know, it all got reinvested back into the business sure. because we had a very long-term view. This is, I wanted goat milk stuff to be big enough that when my children are grown, whoever wants to keep working in it, they could work in it. So I was working for the future. You know, we didn't take vacations. We didn't do crazy stuff. You know, it was very much all focused and it was a team effort on building goat milk stuff. So for other people, I think they have to decide that, you know, what level of income are you comfortable with? And you have to know that that income is going to fluctuate. You know, if you're at the lowest you can possibly survive on right now, it may not be, you may want to build a little bit more of a cushion before you start. But how, you know, what are your goals? What are your goals in five years? If your goals in five years are to triple your business, you're going to have to figure out a way to start investing in it. And that's going to take sacrifice. If you're comfortable with slower growth than just slow and steady, you may put that off for a few years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a great answer. Um, how, uh, as far as publicity goes, 
how worth it has it been for goat milk stuff? Has it given you the return on your investment? Because whether it's time or money, whether you're talking about ads or uh, paying somebody a publicist, a publicist in that in this case, what has the return been on that investment of time and money? That has changed dramatically for us over the years. So our first okay. television appearance was in 2009. And we had a very, it was local, regional television. We had a very good response. The Today Show was a wonderful response. We were on uh, the television show, The Doctors. Mm -hmm. um, got to bring the whole family out to California. That was really great and exciting. That was actually a really good response as well. And then um, that we were in Oh, the Oprah Magazine, mm -hmm. definitely worth it. And we were on The Huckabee Show. That was our other big one. So those were all massively worth it. Those, you know, were worth it for the year kind of thing. Um, in 2015, we did a lot of regional television. We went to a lot of different cities, did a lot of regional TV shows, um, news type shows, mm -hmm. and didn't see the response we had been getting. Hmm. So um, we've switched uh, kind of our focus a little bit because what we think is happening is that when we started, Goat Milk Soap was new, but nobody had ever heard of it. And so we were telling the story. It, now that it's six years later, you can find goat milk soap at a lot of farmer's markets. You can find it in a lot of, of um, stores. So it's not the new thing that we were letting people be aware of it anymore. So we are now more focusing on, instead of just general knowledge about the product, what sets us apart and why our product is different and, and why it's better. And the fact that we are here for the long haul, because I get so many emails about people, oh, I fell in love with goat milk soap, but the person who is making it isn't making it anymore. And that's because a lot, because it's hard, you know, yeah, running yeah. a business is hard. And for a lot of these people, they love their goats. They want more goats. And so they say, oh, I want to, you know, make some money and, and help pay for my goat habit. And so they make soap and they start it. And then they realize how much work it is. And they're like, no, I just want to go back to having goats and just being, having fun with them. So a lot of it is, um, depends on your industry. It depends on what's going on out there. And you always have to be ready to switch to, you know, go with how things are changing and what was working isn't necessarily going to keep working. Right. Um, so I would say yes, especially for a new market, it's definitely worth it. If it's an existing market and you're trying to differentiate yourself, um, um, television's a little harder to do that. You know, more online things where people can click through directly to your website is a little bit easier if you're trying to differentiate yourself from a lot of competitors. Right. And so I've noticed you are doing more of that as well as doing podcast interviews. And how's that working going into the podcast space? Well, so we've just started doing that. I used to do a lot of podcast interviews a few years ago. And um, then we had more construction here on the farm. We put up three new buildings in the past year and a half. It's been totally insane. And so I just kind of had to pull back from everything because it was all I could do to keep my family fed, you know, the business running and, and get all this construction done. So we're just getting back into it. And, you know, I love podcasts. I think podcasts are such a great vehicle for the host, for the listeners, because so much of the products out there are not really trustworthy. And when you can find someone that you trust that has the same values as you do mm -hmm. and they can make recommendations that that goes a huge way to doing a lot of that legwork for you and taking out a lot of the guesswork. So I think podcasts are are wonderful. I'm really excited to be doing more. I'm, I'm tempted to get back to doing my own <laughs> podcast again. I, I will have to see. We'll have to 
see what 2017 brings. I, I feel your pain. You're doing quite a bit, and uh, it's another thing on your plate. Oh, and speaking of that, so we're going to talk about habits in a little bit because I really want to delve into how you do it all. Um, but don't, is, don't what, all. <laughs> is what you have planned for goat milk stuff. You, um, it, it's really an amazing story how your children and your husband all work in the business. You've created something amazing for you and your community. You've also been able to hire people. So you're offering a, a living for other people. But what's ahead for goat milk stuff? And tell us how people can reach out to you. Okay. So when I started Goat Milk Stuff, we just started with the Goat Milk Soap. That was our, our main product. We expanded into other bath and body products like lip balms and lotions. Well, the reason I named it Goat Milk Stuff was because I always wanted to get into the food products. So in 2015, one of the buildings we put we built was um, a new building. It's about 6,000 square feet and it's got two commercial um, certified kitchens in it. So one we call our candy kitchen and one we call our cheese kitchen. And we had to go through all of the approval process. We are now a certified grade A dairy. So we can sell fluid milk. We can sell yogurt. We can do any, pretty much anything we want to, we can, we can sell. And we expanded into goat milk fudge, goat milk caramel, goat milk cheese. (laughs) Yeah. We make um, sourdough bread with goat milk whey in it from the leftovers from the cheese because it's got all the, the minerals in it. Um, and then our newest one, which we just launched last week, I don't even have labels in. That's how, that's how new it is, is gelato which for those people who don't know what gelato is, it's ice cream, but it's uh, lower fat mm-hmm. and um, it has more air in it. So, and when that's made completely with goat milk. <laughs> so great. That's, great. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. We have a, we have an event coming up where we're going to have a tasting for all the um, <laughs> local, our local area. So it's going to be huge. My, my son was like, oh my gosh, I'm thinking I have to make like 2000 samples. I'm like, yeah, I think you probably do. Cause everybody's going to want it. But that is all of the products I ever wanted to do. Um, you know, now there'll be variations. There'll be variations on cheese. There'll be variations on candy. But this is everything that I had initially envisioned is now in place. Um, so my goal now is to, uh, my children, I, t- I gave them a year ago. So 4th of July is my youngest birthday. And so um, she'll be she'll be nine on 4th of July. But I gave them until she was 18. So the 4th of July when she is 18 is when the children are completely taking over the business. So I am completely stepping back. I told them I'll be happy to consult. I'll be happy to do, you know, publicity for you. I'll travel. I'll, I'll do those things. But I'm not making any decisions. I'm not hiring. I'm not firing. I'm not paying a bill. You know, taxes, that's all yours. And so these next nine years are going to be spent paying down the debt load because I really want to be able to pass it to them without having any debt involved and teaching them how to manage all of the pieces that my husband and I manage. You know, they, they grew up in this. They, they knew all of that. Um, so they, they know the, that kind of work, but they don't really understand the back hands. I mean, sure. they don't understand taxes and, and all of that. So um, really just growing it for them. One of the big changes that we've made this year is switching from internet focused, which we still, we will always be massively internet. We have, we ship around the world. Um, we'll always have that presence, but to a local focus. So our, this farm that we bought actually backs up to highway 65, which is the major North South route from Chicago down to the South. And we back up or less than a mile off the, the interstate. So we now have, I think it's six or seven billboards on the, on the highway, we've seen um, our traffic here at the farm stores, you know, six times what it was a few months ago. And so that's a whole different aspect to right, the business right. that we're having to put into place. We're doing tours and baby goat experiences. 
And so putting all of that in place with the long-term focus of being able to pass it off to them in in nine years is is really where we're going. Oh, PJ, that's phenomenal because then you become a local treasure more than you were before on top of being an internet destination. All right. right. So how can people find you? You said off the interstate I-65. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So if you're local, if you find yourself driving between anywhere between Louisville and, and Indianapolis, we're right off the highway, exit 29. There's billboards and the little blue tourist attraction signs. So we're pretty easy to find that way. But otherwise, um, the website, as I mentioned, is just goatmilkstuff.com. And um, it's pretty easy. We, we work really hard to make it very navigable. Uh, we just updated, completely redid our mobile site. So that's um, better. So if you find any mistakes, let me know. But uh, all of that is is available online. And if people need to call, they can call us as well. And that's on the, on the website also. You said it earlier that you don't get it all done. But I think if somebody's listening to this, they don't quite believe you. So talk to me about some habits, some things. And I, I mean, maybe you use Google calendars and you schedule everything. I, I don't know. But I'd love to hear how all the pieces work together with your kids and the homeschooling and the business and the tourist destination, and then your husband, and you have to have time to play or do you? So some habits, please, PJ. I am really good at saying no. Um, I'm really good at knowing that I have to say no to good things. I have to say no to them so that I can have the best things and so that I can have the time with my family and I can do what's important. Um, that's hard to learn. That's hard to learn when, when it's something good. You know, I tell people when we first started, I, I had, I stopped my children on their music lessons. I stopped them on the piano and the violin because, and that was something I, if you'd asked me, I never thought I would have stopped that, but there was just something had to give in order for us to be able to, to live this lifestyle and, and, and grow goat milk stuff the way we needed to. Um, I'm also very good at delegating and, we have, we practice in our house and around here, what we call the youngest person rule. And so that's the youngest person capable of doing a job is the one who does it. So the youngest person gets trained by the older person who's trying to pass the job down to them. And so everybody's kind of always growing and shifting and, and doing, learning new things. And, um, that keeps them happy because they get to try new things and find out what they like, what they don't like. Another thing that I practice all the time, uh, the 80, 20 rule where I get, you know, I just get, 80% of it done. I get the bulk of it in place and then I move on. And I found that it's just not worth it to get it to perfection. It's just not worth my time. It's not worth my stress. You know, for example, like I said, we just introduced the gelato. I've got gelato out there with handwritten, you know, what, what flavor it is on there <laughs> because I wanted people to try it. I wanted people to get um, the feedback and say, oh, I really like this one, but you know, I'm not so crazy about this one. Oh, this one needs more chocolate. This one needs less vanilla, you know, that kind of feedback before I had to get everything perfect with the labels and, and all of that. Um, so I, I don't go for perfection. My house is never <laughs> perfection. You know, there's right now it's, it's when I left it this morning, it was pretty much trash. There's, some people had made, um, pancakes and there was waffles and it, there was just stuff everywhere. But I teach my children, I teach them how to work. I mean, basically is what it is. You know, everybody pretty much makes their own breakfast. I put together lunch and I put together dinner mostly because if I don't, then everybody's eating separately and I like to have everybody together. So, um, that's, but if I don't have time to do it, I tell someone, and what I've done is each of the children have, have kind of their specialty meal and I'll say, okay, we're having, you know, pasta for dinner. That's Emery. Emery, you make the pasta. And so that's his job. He knows how to do it. He's perfect. So they each have at least three meals that 
they can do all on their own. And, you know, for the youngest ones, like they'll make grilled cheese, you know, okay, we're having grilled cheese for dinner, make, you know, go make grilled cheese and soup. Um, so a lot of it is, is really just knowing you can't get it all done. You know, I, I try and wake up with the one thing that has to be done. Um, and I, and I get that one thing done and everything else is, is a bonus. If I get to more, I, you know, I spend time talking with everybody here. We have, like I said, all the, the eight children, my husband, and then we have six full-time employees right now. I'm trying to hire another one or two right now. Um, and I touch base with every one of them to make sure they know what they're doing. They know where they're going, any questions they have. And so by the time, by the time I put all of that time into them, I only have so much time to get so much done. Right. Um, I do make sure I get enough sleep and I eat well. Uh, I think for most business people and most moms in general, we tend to you know, put ourselves last and that just makes everything else fall apart. You know, my kids will tell you, if I don't get enough sleep, I am a grouch and a bear and there's just no pleasing me. And they'll be funny because they'll be like, okay, mom, we'll clean up. You go to bed <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, because they know. And, I, and, and I've, you know, I've trained them that sleep is really important for us to, to function and eating well is really important because otherwise we don't have the energy. Right. So a lot of it is just putting um, the plan in place, you know, the lifestyle that I wanted to live. And we get off of that, you know, we get off where I'm so, you know, I realize okay, nobody's been getting enough sleep for the past week and a half. And kidding season is the perfect example of that. When we, we had 114 baby goats born this year and, um, we do shifts 24 seven in the barn. So we're up with them all night long and it takes about six to eight weeks. You know, and during that time, everybody's exhausted. So we let so much go. We don't try and do everything. We know it's all going to fall apart because that's not the focus. The focus is having, you know, I think this next year, we're probably going to have about 150 kids born. You know, it's getting all of the goats through healthy, all the babies through healthy, and everything else is kind of just falls away. And we don't leave the house. You know, my son, one of my sons is like, I haven't been off the farm in six weeks. I'm like, yeah, well, it's because it's kidding season. We don't do anything. We run to the grocery store every once in a while. That's about all we do. <laughs> Anybody who wants to come and see us, they're welcome to come here and visit us. <laughs> visit the family, but only them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we put them to work. People know they come and visit us. They need to dress appropriately because we are going to put them to work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to remember that. And I'm yeah. going to put your website, put your link that, as well as I know an offer for our standout listeners at get me at uh, CherylTanMedia.com in the show notes for this show, because you've got to see the pictures of your kids and the video. Yeah. It's, it's really phenomenal. So thank you for this. This is a really valuable case study, honestly, for people who are listening and watching on how to grow a business, how to test it, how to kind of take the, the tools around you, in your case, your children, to <laughs> help you grow something really amazing. And I thank you for your time, PJ. Before we go, I just, I want to ask you a question I ask everybody, and it is this, uh, and, and I, I'm really curious to hear your answer is, what would you say makes you a standout? I think the fact that I involve the family, mm. I, you know, I, I wanted to raise children who knew how to work and knew how to run something and I think that really separates us because I put a lot of, a lot of time into training them. You know, there's, I can always do it faster and better than my children. Always. Not so much now because now they've been doing it long enough, but you know, I used to be always do it faster and better, but being able to give that up and put the time into them to training it so they could eventually do it faster and better than me, which they can when it comes to milking, they're much faster and better at it than I am at this point. And having that long-term 
goal in mind really is is probably what sets me apart. Oh, I can't wait to hear the next part of the story because I know there will be. <laughs> yeah, probably. PJ, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us for Standout today. PJ is offering the Standout audience a free bar of goat milk soap. I'll link to that offer at CherylTanMedia.com forward slash podcast. This is episode number 29. The best way to get this show in front of more listeners is to subscribe to and review the show on iTunes. Please let me know your thoughts on this new direction for the program. Thank you in advance for your support. Until next time, I'm Cheryl Tan.